I was, I was spending some time this week um, reflecting a little bit on my life. I think the older I get, the more I feel like I want to do that, you know, like just kind of look back and, and try to remember some of the stuff, you know, that's happened and some of my decisions and some of the things that God has done and all that sort of stuff. So I was, I was taking some time to just sort of reflect and I was remembering when I first came to, to know Jesus. And so I was 20 years old at the time. And up to that point, I was kind of I was kind of really just doing my own thing. Like, I wasn't a, a terrible kid. I wasn't a terrible... I was worse than my parents thought I was, but I wasn't that bad, you know? But um, when I was 20, you know, it sort of, like, everything changed for me. And for me, that was a real emotional experience, you know? Like, when I turned my life over to Jesus. And, and then those first few years, especially... Like, I grew up going to church, you know? But there's so... Like, this was just sort of stories to me, you know? Almost like fables or fairy tales or something like that that I learned in those first few years it was like all of a sudden everything changed you know and so like I would read this through a different lens like you, know, you read you read it um, you know but I guess before you're a Christian it's just a book you know and then you read it after and you're like I, I believe this stuff <laughs> like God is real and he and he did these things and it just like comes to life you know and I remember praying so much. I would wake up. I was telling Marcia, my wife Marcia, uh, the other day, like, I don't wake up like I used to. I used to wake up and be like, bam, I'm ready to go, you know? Now it, like, takes me a lot longer. But I used to wake up early on when I was a Christian, and I would, I would literally, like, roll out of bed <laughs> onto the floor, and the way I, first thing I would do is just pray, and I would lay on my belly, like, you know, prostrate. I don't know why I chose that position, but, like, lay flat down, and I would just, just first thing I did, uh, just be with the Lord and talk to him and listen to him and, you know, tell him what I'm feeling. And, and you know, it was just, it was a super powerful time. And so I remember um, a few years into that, uh, lying in my bed, so I came home, must have been a day I was off, it was like afternoon, and I lived by myself at that time, and I, I walked into my house, and I laid on my bed, and I was praying, I was just like laying on my back this time, I was looking at the ceiling, I was praying, and I don't remember all the specifics of what was going on, but I was struggling at the time. And, you know, just like struggling to trust God. And I think it was, um, I was single at the time. This was before I met Marsha. And uh, I didn't want to be single. You know? And I wasn't dating anybody. And I was like, I want to be married. I want to have a wife. I want to have a family. And I'm like crying out to God, you know, and, and really struggling to trust him, if I'm honest. You know, struggling in, in, my, in my faith and trust. And that, and that God was caring, you know, for me. And so I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm like struggling, I'm praying, I'm struggling, I'm praying. And, and I remember um, praying, like, God, if you could just, like, if you would just show yourself to me, then I would trust you forever, you know? Like, if you could, so I was by myself, you know, in my room, like, no one's around, God. <laughs> you know, no one's here. If you could, if, like, just show yourself to me in a way that I could see with my eyes. I won't tell anybody. Like, this is what my prayers were like. I won't tell anybody, you know. But if you would do that, then I would never struggle in my faith again. Like, I remember praying that prayer to him. And I don't talk about this very much, but um, I'm sitting there in my room, and I'm praying, and I'm waiting, you know. Like, I'm waiting for God to do something, to, to show himself to me in a really... Uh, tangible, visible sort of way. Let me see you. And uh, you know what happened during that time? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing! 
nothing. I'm like, God, why won't, like, why won't you just show yourself to me? And it's like, that's just not how God works, right? Like, we have a few times in, you know, the history of humanity, I guess, that God has shown himself to people that way. But I think, don't you just long to, to like, see God sometimes? You know, like, that's a struggle in our faith. It's hard to trust in a God that we can't see with our eyes, with our eyeballs, right? It's hard to trust sometimes in a God that we can't hear with our ears, you know? And so we cry out to him and we struggle and, and all that. Well, this weekend, um, we're going to talk about seeing God. There's a beautiful passage, something that Jesus said, you know, almost 2,000 years ago, where he talks about you and I having this experience of being able to see God. And so um, that's what we're going to dig into today, like what, what it might look like for us to see and experience God in our world, in our time, in a very tangible way, okay? So we've been in this series, uh, if you had your program there, on the front of it, it's, uh, it's got the title, it's called Happy, and it's a series on the Beatitudes, and so we said this is like the very first recorded sermon that we have of Jesus, and in his first sermon, the very first thing that he talked about is how to be happy, you know? And so that word, sometimes in our Bibles, it's translated as blessed or blessed, right, or happy, and it's like extreme happiness, extreme bliss, and so Jesus starts out, and he tells us how you and I could be happy, and he gives us eight ways to, like, deep, meaningful happiness, right, and so we've been digging into this series over the last six weeks, this is the sixth, the sixth week, so we're in the sixth beatitude this week, and so I want to kind of do what we've been doing, and I want to look at all of them together, and I want to lay down the challenge again. Some of you are taking me up on it. Um, I'm trying to memorize the the Beatitudes as we go. You know, it's easy to not ever memorize scripture because, you know, Bibles are all over the place or even on our phones, you know, and so it's easy to just look something up, but there's something about like having it deep in our hearts. So I challenge you again to to memorize the Beatitudes, we're just adding one a week, and so it's not too terribly difficult. Um, But I want to read it all again, and then we'll kind of spend our time on the sixth Beatitude here. So here it is. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. So when Jesus saw the crowd, so he has crowds of hurting, struggling people that are following him, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Here's a sermon. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We talked about that one last week. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's where we're going to be this week. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
every week as I read that, I just like I I'm reminded how different that is than like what our culture says happiness is. We live in a happy starved culture. You know, like everybody wants to be happy. And the way that Jesus says brings happiness is just really different than we might hear in other places in the world. So so this week we're going to end up uh, here in the sixth one. And so this is what it says again. Blessed or happy are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Who will see God? The pure in heart, right? We just get insane. Like, we, we probably all want to see God. We probably all want to have like deep intimate, real experiences with him. And he says the pure in heart, those are the ones that are going to see God. And so sometimes we can like look at um, things that Jesus said or things in the New Testament as really different than things in the first half of our Bible in the Old Testament. One of the things that I would love for you guys to see, like this is this is so key for us. At Grace Church, we look at the Bible and we're like, man, this is the word of God. You know, believe that it's not riddled with errors. It's like what God wants us to know, the inerrant word of God. And sometimes we can look at the Old Testament as so different than the New Testament. And almost, you know, like, like God in the Old Testament times even seems different than God in the New Testament times. I've heard people say things like that. But what Jesus says here is the same message. Like what we read going all the way back to Genesis is the same message all throughout the Bible. And so I thought this was interesting. So what Jesus says here um, is not new. It's actually not new. Um, hundreds of years earlier in Psalm 24, the psalmist said almost the exact same thing. I just thought this was interesting. Go ahead to that next one. This is Psalm 24, verses three and four. It says, the psalmist says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Sounds a whole lot like see God, right? Who will see God? Who will experience God, intimacy with God? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. I read that, I'm like, that's the same thing that Jesus says. Jesus says a little bit more succinctly, right? But hundreds of years later, he's saying the exact same thing. The message of the Bible is so consistent, it's so clear. And so here's what I wanna do um, during our time here, the rest of our time. I really wanna look at, as we look at this verse here, there's three key words in that verse that I think you and I need to understand to like get what Jesus is talking about. And so I, I, I wanna look at those. And I wanna say this, by the way, what I'm gonna do today, you can all do, right? Like you can all do it. Like I've had people say to me, you know, I don't know how you pastors do it. I don't know how you preachers do it. You know, like I read a verse in the Bible and it just looks like words on a page to me, black and white words on a page. And I read it and I just go on to the next thing. I don't know how like you bring so much out of it. I could never do that. I've heard that numerous times. I could never do that. Yes, you can. <laughs> like that is a lie of the devil that this is like only pastors can read this or only pastors can interpret that. It's not true. Like what we're going to do today, essentially look at three words and just sort of dig in deeply to those words. And then we're just going to talk about what it looks like in our life to apply them. Like every single one of us in this room can do that. And if you look at it and you go, well, you, you like talk about the Greek, you know, the original language. I don't even know anything about that. The reality is you don't have to know, like be trained in Greek and Hebrew interpretation to, to like understand some of these words with, with more fullness. There are great websites. In fact, I could give you one um, if you're interested 
that is a great website that you just go to it and it's got different uh, translations of the Bible and it'll give you like what the Greek word is and sort of expand on that more, give you a fuller understanding of each of the words. And so like it's something that any of us could do. I want you to hear me say that. It's something that any of us could do if we want to, like if we're willing to put in some of the hard work with it. And so this is like accessible for all of us. You don't have to have, you know, a Bible college degree or a seminary degree in order to read and understand the Bible. Does that make sense? You guys with me on that? Okay. So I want to just really talk about three words here. And um, I want to do them out of order. So the words are pure, heart, and see. Pure, heart, and see. So I want to talk about those three words, look at them kind of in depth, and then I just want to apply them to our lives. Okay? But I want to do them out of order. So I want to start with heart first. Okay? So that word heart in the Greek, in the original, so the, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. Okay? We translate it into English. The New Testament, Testament was originally written in Greek. We translate that into English. And so the word heart that's translated as heart in our Bibles, in the Hebrew, I'm sorry, in the Greek, it's cardia. It's cardia. And so that's a word that we get like cardiac from right? We talk about cardiac arrest. Cardiac arrest is a heart attack, right? And so cardia is the word that we get uh, cardiac from. But what Jesus is talking about here, he's not talking like literally about our heart that's beating inside of our chest. He's not talking about like the physical organ inside of us. What he's talking about is us. Like he's talking about you. He's talking about your person, like the, the locus, the center of who we are. He's talking about our mind and our thoughts. He's talking about our volition. He's talking about our emotions, my conscience, my inner self. And so I think it's worth noting here, sometimes like as we're thinking, as we're trying to understand scripture and like interpret it and understand what it means in our lives, it's also, so it's important to understand what it says, but it's also important to understand sometimes what it doesn't say. So I think it's telling what Jesus doesn't say here. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. I think it's worth noting that he doesn't say, blessed are the pure in actions for they will see God, right? Blessed are those who have pure actions who always seem to do the right thing. It's actually not what Jesus is talking about. And I think that's telling. I don't think that, you know, like God, of course, cares about our actions. He cares about what we do. But when you think about it, what we do is really just sort of what is fleshed out of our heart, right? Like what we do is really the overflow of what's going on inside of us. It, it's the tangible part of what's happening inside of our heart. So the Bible, said, the Bible talks about this all over the place. It says things like in uh, Ezekiel 16, 30, listen to this, he says, God is talking, he says, how sick is your heart, says the Lord God, that you did all these things? How sick is your heart that you did this stuff, right? It all originates in the heart. Proverbs four twenty three. this is a verse many of us have heard of before. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Right, our heart, like the core of who we are, everything that we do flows from it. How about this one? Jesus is talking to Pharisees here. He's like, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Right, like all the things we say, all the things we do, where do they originate? Our heart, right? And what does Jesus care about? The things that we do, the things that we say, yeah. He cares more about our heart. 
Like he cares about something bigger. I, I like how um, a guy named John Piper, so this is a, a guy who is an incredible pastor, writer, uh, super insightful guy. I love how he says it. He says, the heart is what you are. The heart is what you are in the secrecy of your thought and feeling when nobody knows but God. And what you are, listen to this sentence, what you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. I love that. What you are at the invisible root matters as much to God as what you are at the visible branch. Man looks for the out, on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. From the heart are all the issues of life. From the heart are all the issues of life. And so as we read this, when we think about heart, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus cares about something that's bigger, right? He's not just talking about our actions. He's talking about the root of our actions. He's talking about our person, our self, the thing from which all of our actions flow. And so here's my first question. I got a bunch of questions for you. You got to do the hard work. You got to answer these questions in your mind, in your heart, okay? Here's the first question. What's happening inside your heart? Like, what, what's happening in you right now? To use Piper's words, in the secrecy of your thoughts and feelings that no one knows about except you and God. Like, what's going on inside of your heart? How's your heart? That's the first question. That's the first word. How about the second word? The second word is the one that comes before it. And so it's, it's pure. And so the word for pure is katharos in the Greek. It's katharos. And it's the word that we get um, cathartic from, right? Or catharsis, maybe to help us kind of understand the meaning of it. And so in our English, so it's translated as pure in our Bibles. In our English, that word pure can mean a lot of different things. Like we use pure to describe a lot of different stuff. In fact, like when you think about it, we, like we use pure to mean a lot of different things. And so maybe it might, we might mean it to be wholesome or basic or strong, right? Like, like uh, pure, I think it's a brand, pure vodka. What is that? It's strong, it's 100%, it's, it's right? Uh, genuine, we used to mean a lot of different things, but I think what Jesus uses that word to mean is this. I'll give you three words here. We're going to kind of dig into these three words a little bit. I think Jesus means undivided. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the undivided in heart. I think he means focused. Blessed are the focused in heart. And blessed are the contaminant free. I think he means undivided, focused, and contaminant free. And so I want to dig into each of these words and kind of maybe begin to think about what it means for us. And as we, as we do this, I want you to think like if for yourself, what does Jesus mean by this in my life? Like how, how, is, how should my life, my heart be undivided? How should my heart be focused? How should my heart be contaminant free? Okay. So, so let's start with the first one, undivided. When I think about undivided, the first thing I think about is my kids, right? So I have two kids. I have a son named Luke, a daughter named Natalie. They're uh, almost 12 and almost nine, right? And so my kids um, are my children. I'm their daddy and my wife's children, right? Marsha's their mom. And so we're their parents and they have one set of parents, right? That's it. We've got one set of parents. They're one set of parents, okay? And so an undivided heart toward us, our children's undivided heart 
toward us means that there is no stronger voice in their lives than us. If their heart is undivided toward us, it means we got the strongest voice in their life, right? And so they love and they respect us. And so what we say to them kind of trumps what anybody else says to them, right? That is, that is an undivided heart toward us. And I, th- you know, I think that's relatively true. We don't have teenagers yet. They're not teenagers yet. So I think it's relatively true for both of them right now. But suppose, so my son is uh, real into sports. He loves basketball especially. So suppose Luke starts getting really into some professional athlete, like some professional basketball player. And he starts watching him all the time, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times you hear little clips of them talking and saying things. Everybody's got opinions, right? And he starts listening to his opinions. And slowly but surely, what this professional basketball player starts to say and do has a greater importance to my son than what the parents say and do. Hmm. Or my daughter, my daughter loves, uh, like she's always singing and dancing around the house, like she loves it. And so let's say my daughter starts to really get into, you know, some pop star, some, some triple threat, sing, dance, actor, you know, whatever. And she starts like uh, listening to the, what this person says and her opinions and things. And slowly but surely, what this pop icon starts to say becomes more, it starts to trump what her parents start to say. And, and they still listen to us some, right? Like they still listen to some of what we say, but they are kind of doing it in a, in a big, kind of begrudgingly, right? Or coldly. But really what they're passionate about is what this professional athlete or this pop icon says. Let me ask you a question. Do you think then that their heart is pure or do you think that it's divided? It's divided, Right? This, by the way, is what the Bible calls idolatry. Like if you just substitute God in for the parents in this story, that's all idolatry is. Idolatry is like divided allegiance to God. I can listen to some of the things that God says, but there's other voices that, if I'm honest, are a little bit more important to me. And so idolatry is the opposite of being poor in heart. But one that's, I'm sorry, pure in heart. But one whose heart is pure is one that is undividedly loving and respecting and trusting and listening to God. That makes sense? That's an undivided heart. We have God, your voice trumps everything else. What you say is more important to me and what you do is more important to me than what anyone or anything else does. And so here's my second question to you. Is your heart undividedly God's? Is your heart undividedly God's? We have all kinds of voices in our world today. Like we have voices in our heads, you know, that are speaking to us, that are telling us what's right and good. And God's like, what about me? You know, is your heart undividedly God's? How about, how about the next word? How about focused? When I think of focused, I think of a video I just stumbled across this week. I don't even know why I clicked on it. It was a video of a very unique soccer mom. It's about a minute long. Check out this video. Unmuted. Group two, suburban wife. When you get to really know me, you'll see what my real passion is. My real 
real passion is Real Madrid. I live my life for them. I wake up thinking about them. I go to sleep thinking about them. People who think I'm crazy have no clue. They don't understand what it is to have heart palpitations the day you wake up because you're playing a final. They don't know what it is to travel to Europe and lose your voice 48 hours before a game because you've been chanting up and down the street supporting your team. And all that sacrifice, the 27 hours that it took me to get there, the 36 that then it was going to take me to come back, were worth every single second. I'm like, man, that is a focused person, right? Like, that lady is absolutely focused. Did you hear what she said? She said, my real passion in life is Real Madrid. So she's a, she's a wife and a mother. My real passion in life is Real Madrid. I live my life for them. I go to sleep thinking about them. I wake up thinking about them. I'm like, man, that is a lady who is focused. She's focused on a soccer team. I don't know how healthy that is, but she's focused, right? And I think this is part of the purity of heart that Jesus is talking about. Except instead of soccer, we're focused on him, right? Like, he's our passion. He's the one that we think about. You know, we go to bed and we think about him and we talk to him. We wake up in the morning and we're thinking about him and we're talking about him. Like, we think about him a lot. Now, I don't think, you know, we need to hold road flares and jump around and cheer obnoxiously on the streets for him. I'm not talking about that. But I think part of being pure in heart is to have that same sort of focused passion for the God who loves us and who sent his son to die on the cross to save us, right? And so here's my next question to you. Is your heart passionately focused on God? Is your heart passionately focused on God? There's all kinds of things in this world that draw our passion, that draw our focus. But God wants to be number one, right? I think a big part of purity of heart is we're like, he's our focus, right? I'm focused on him. How about this idea of being contaminant-free? So um, let me illustrate this with, with an example. I got a whole bunch of stuff over. I feel like a mad scientist over here. So this is a glass of water. And it's clear, it's clean, it's pure, right? You can see right through it. It's refreshing, right? It's a glass of water, it's a pure glass of water. But what happens when you add some sand to it? Well, all of a sudden, the glass of water is not pure anymore, right? Like now it's like water, but it's got sand mixed in there with it. And it's kind of gross. Like it's not super gross. You know, like it's just kind of sand and water. And if you give it a little bit of time, the sand actually sinks to the bottom of the water. Like sand is heavier than the water, so it sinks to the bottom. And even though, like, I, when I poured it in, there's, like, all kinds of dust and everything, eventually that all sinks down. And so it's kind of gross, but it's not that gross. And we could actually, like, you know, when it, when it settles down, I could actually still drink it. You know, it's, it's not that bad. You get a little bit in your mouth. You just spit it out and you move on. So it's kind of gross, but it's not that gross, right? And a lot of times, guys, we look at sin in our lives that way. You know, it's like it's a contaminant, but it's not that gross. 
you know? It, it kind of, you can push it down to the bottom of our heart. It's not real obtrusive, you know? It's kind of encapsulated, you know? I can compartmentalize it, right? A lot of times we can look at, this, at, at our sin that way. But really our sin is more like this. This is oil. This is what I got out of my tractor at the beginning of the season when I changed the oil. Sin is really a lot more like that. And it's like dark, you know, and it's slimy, and it's sludgy. And, you know, it, it sinks down some, but it's also pretty visible at times as well, especially visible to God. And then there's times that things happen in our life that kind of shake us, and it swirls around, right? And it kind of infests a little more of our heart. And then there's times when uh, we're dealing with people that could be challenging or that hurt us, and it kind of spills out a little bit onto them, right? And it's slimy and it's gross. But then there's also this part to sin where it doesn't just stay at the surface. You know, it, it starts to like penetrate everything else and it sinks down and it spreads in our lives. When the Bible talks about sin, it's like it's not something that we can compartmentalize in our heart. It actually like affects all of us, you know? Like it, it affects every part of mine. It doesn't mean that there's not still somewhere like that water that was really pure, it's still in there. Sometimes we can do things that are good and pure, right? But sin sort of affects everything in us. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have a contaminant-free heart, right? Blessed are those whose heart doesn't look like that anymore, but has been washed clean. And so, so here's my next question to you. Is your heart contaminant-free? Is your heart contaminant-free? And if we're honest, I think we'd all answer that question. If we're honest, we'd all ask that question the same way. We go, no, not really, you know, not totally. My heart's also not totally undivided. My heart's also not totally focused. Like there's times when I can get focused or I could get caught up in other things. But here, here's what I challenge you. Don't forget what we, we've actually talked about this a couple times. I talked about it last two weeks ago. Like when we say yes to Jesus, God makes a declaration about us. He makes a declaration about our heart. And no longer does he see this with us. It's really gross, it's black, it's, it's, it's slimy, it's dirty. No longer does he see that, but instead he sees Jesus' heart in us. And Jesus' heart is pure, right? It's uncontaminated, it's focused, it's undivided. And so it's called justification. So when you, you and I say yes to Jesus, God makes this declaration about us. He declares us righteous. He sees Jesus' heart inside of us, not just our heart. God does that because he loves us, right? He does that for us. But here's the thing. We have choices, right? Like you and I have choices to make every day 
about purity in our lives. Here, here's another question for you. Are you choosing to be pure in heart? Are you choosing to be pure in heart? So God says, when you and I say yes to Jesus, when we trust what Jesus did on the cross, God says, you are washed clean. I declare you righteous, right? Now I see Jesus's perfection in you. But the reality is our hearts still kind of look dirty because we still struggle with sin. We still live in a fallen world, right? And we have choices to make every day, every hour, sometimes every minute. And we have to choose to make our heart contaminant free. We have to choose to make our heart focused on God. We have to choose to make our heart undivided. And then we're responsible for that, right? Like I am accountable to God for my choices. Being a Christian isn't just, um, I said yes to Jesus, now God sees Jesus' righteousness and I can do whatever I want. That's not what being a Christian is. We also have choices. And so I love how um, James says it in James chapter four. James, a book later on in the New Testament, is actually Jesus' half-brother. Jesus' half-brother becomes his follower and he goes, I believe that my brother is God. <laughs> and so he writes a little letter about it in James four. He says this, he says, come near to God. So he's challenging his readers, he's challenging us. He says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Choose to come near to God, right? Like it's kind of in intuitive that way. Wash your hands, you sinners. Choose to wash your hands. We make that choice. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. We choose to purify our hearts, right? Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. And I read that and I'm like, I choose to come near to God or not, right? I choose to wash my hands, so to speak, or not. I choose to purify my heart or not. I choose to grieve and mourn and wail over my sin. Like I recognize the extent of my sinfulness. We talked about that early on in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn. I choose to, to mourn over my sin or I choose not to because I know what I'm doing right? And so do you. Like, we all know the choices that we're making, and we know when we're choosing to allow contaminants into our lives. It, it, it often, it usually doesn't just sneak up on us, you know? It starts with little choices. It starts with little compromises, and we let it in, you know? Or it starts with a little bit of a divided allegiance, and like, man, I'm really getting into what this person says. Yeah, man, what the, I want to live my life like them, instead of living my life like Jesus, right? But, but I talk about this all the time. I, I, I intentionally, I think it's really important for us. We're not alone in those choices, right? Like when I say yes to Jesus, there's a beautiful promise all throughout the New Testament that I have his Holy Spirit living inside of me. And so I don't just, it's not just me who on my own is responsible to make a choice to be pure in heart. I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, working inside of me to help me make those choices, to be contaminant free, to be focused, to be undivided unto God. But here's the thing, I say this a lot too, we have to invite him to and we have to allow him to, right? Here's a question, are you inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to purify your heart? It's an important question, guys. You know, so many times we try to do it on our own. I talked to somebody this week. God bless them. They're struggling in their faith and they're trying to do it all by themselves. And it's a big reason they're struggling in their faith. They're struggling in their walk with God because they're not inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead them and refine them and purify them. 
right? Like we have choices, we're responsible for our choices. But one of those big choices is to go, God, I need your help. Holy Spirit, please take the lead in my life. These desires that I have, I pray that you would like quench those desires or get rid of those desires and give me righteous ones, right? Like the Holy Spirit has a huge part in our lives. By the way, Jesus is the key to that, you know? Like if I want to um, uh, have the desire to give the Holy Spirit more power in my life, more leadership in my life, Jesus, like spend more time reading about Jesus. Spend more time talking to him. Spend more time listening to him. Like it's no secret. It, it's amazing how many people, like when I'm counseling folks that are hurting, that are struggling in their faith, and they go, I don't know, I'm not very passionate about God anymore. And you talk to him, you go, well, how much are you spending in prayer with him? Like talking to him and listening. Well, not much. Well, how much time are you spending like reading about him and letting him and his spirit influence your heart? Not much. Like those are the key, right? Like getting to know Jesus. So, so let's go to the third one. Let's go to the third word that I want to look at. So we looked at pure, we looked at heart, and I want to look at the word see. So, see, in the original language, in the Greek language, the word is horao, horao, okay? And what it means is to become visible to us, or to appear, or to, 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 to pay attention to, or to experience. And so, just like we don't take the word heart literally, like when Jesus is saying pure in heart, like we don't think of the organ inside of our body, I would challenge you to maybe, when we talk about seeing God, don't think so much about seeing the physical body of God, right? I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. But I would challenge you to think about seeing God in a different sort of way, like having your spiritual eyes opened. I, I came across a, a quote by a guy named Bob Utley that I, I, I just loved it. It's just such a simple sentence. He said, purity of heart opens the spiritual eyes. Purity of heart, like, opens our spiritual eyes. You know, like seeing with an impure heart is when we're trying to like imagine being like submersed in a really dirty lake and you open your eyes and you're like, I can't see like anything in front of me. It's all cloudy. It's all gooey. It's all yucky, right? But seeing with a pure heart is like going down in a swimming pool and you got goggles on and you open your eyes and you're like, all of a sudden I could see, right? Like I could see everything. Like how do we how do we see God in this world? Because I, I bet you're like me. Like I started out saying, like, I want to see him. I want to see him working, evidence of his existence, like at work in real tangible ways in our world. How do we see God working? Well, here's, a, here's what I would challenge you with. I think there's three, three things that I've been wrestling with this, this week, like three ways that for me, I see God in very, very tangible ways. Here's the first one. So the way, as we have a pure heart, I think these are some of the ways that we see God. Here's the first one. I look at creation differently, right? And so I look at, you know, the blue sky. It's supposed to be a beautiful day today. I look up and I see the blue skies and I'm like, I know who made that, right? Like that's, that's his canvas that he created, that he's painting. It's his masterpiece. I, I look at, um, I love trees. I've always loved trees. I don't know why. In my front yard, I have this oak tree that is like mammoth. Like I can't even come close to putting my arms around it. It's probably three people it would take to put their arms around it. It's probably 100 years old. I don't know, it's huge. I look at this oak tree and I'm like, man, God 
made that oak tree. And he made it for me, you know? Like for my enjoyment, for our pleasure, right? You look at the, the vastness of the ocean and you're like, that's the work of his hands, you know? Like that's God's handiwork. And so I think the first thing we do, like when, our, when we're pure in heart and our spiritual eyes are open, when we're undivided unto God, we're focused unto God, we're contaminant free in our lives, our spiritual eyes are open and we start looking at creation, we're like, this is God's work, right? This is, this is the evidence of his existence. Second thing, I start to see people differently. I start to see him through people. And so I'm like, what would cause people to care about a bunch of elementary school kids at Barberton Elementary East that they have never met before and go out and use their hard-earned money to go buy shoes for them, never met them, go buy shoes for them just to give them and bless them? What would cause people to do that? And, and as my spiritual eyes are open, I'm like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus living inside of people. That's Jesus moving inside of people's hearts. I think, I'm like, like, what would cause people to walk some of the most dangerous streets in our area at night or go in and bring food into strip clubs to help people who are stuck in the human trafficking industry know that the God of the universe loves them? Like, what in the world would cause people to do that, to take the risk, to, to step out and do that? And I go, it's Jesus inside of them. Like I see God working inside of them, causing them to go out and do that. I think, like, what in the world would cause people to give up their most precious, some of their most precious commodity, their time, to invest in and mentor students over here at, at the schools for this next school year? We did, we did our mentoring training this spring. There's 30 of you, 30-ish people. I said, yeah, I want to mentor a kid that they don't even know, right? that's hurting and struggling. It's gonna take their time. It's gonna take some of their emotional energy. And like, I wanna do that. What would cause that? Go, it's Jesus living inside of them. So when our spiritual eyes are open, we look at the world differently. We look at people differently. And then I think we look at ourselves differently. You know, I was told you I was like introspective this week. And I think about my life and I think about some of the things that I used to really value that were really important to me, you know, like money and success and you know, being good looking or athletic or you know, whatever it is, powerful, whatever it is. And I think, man, I, like, those are things, like caring so much about other people's opinion of me. And I'm like, it's not that important to me anymore. You know? what, would what would cause that change? It's, it's Jesus working in me. You know? like he's changing me. The things that once were so attractive, I'm like, it's not that attractive anymore. And then conversely, I look at my life, and I'm like, these things that I didn't really care about before, like serving other people. I was very selfish. I st still struggle with it. Serving other people, being generous with my time, with my money, like talking to people about God. Like there, I had no desire to do those things previously. And now it's like, it's all I think about. And what causes that? It's Jesus working inside of me. Like that's how, that's how he works. If you want to see Jesus like we go and we like to purify our hearts before God. We allow his spirit. We make choices to be pure in heart. Our spiritual eyes are open. And then all over the place, we see God. All over the place. God opens my spiritual eyes to see him everywhere when I pursue a pure heart. 
that's contaminant-free, that's focused, that's undividedly his. So, so here's how I want to end. So we're all at different places, I know that. Maybe this morning you walked in here and uh, you're like super on fire for the Lord. It's been really cool to talk, by the way, to some of our middle school students that went on the middle school retreat uh, a few weeks ago now. Like, God did something inside of a lot of them. They are so on fire. Maybe this morning you walk in here and you're on fire. Maybe this morning you walk in here and uh, you're just feeling burnout and just kind of dead inside, if you're honest. Maybe this morning you walk in and you're not a Christian, but you're thinking about it, you're curious about it. I, I thought, I think it would be an appropriate way to end our time this morning to just have maybe um, a little extended time to do two things. The first one is like a time of repentance. Maybe you're like me, that when you think about honestly the purity of your heart, you're like, it's probably less pure than I thought it was. You know, like there's some things inside of me that I realize that I need to repent of, that I need to turn over. Repenting is like just turning away. You know, I was, I was living in such a way and I, and I, I don't want to live that way. I turned from it. And so maybe there's this morning there's some time, some of us that need some time to, to confess those things to God and then, and then recommit to him or commit to him for the first time depending where we're at where we go I want to be different you know he came to church today we all came here with whatever it is that we brought in here but we want to be a little different when we walk out and maybe this morning is a time where you go I need to recommit to him you just need to talk to him about it so I'm going to invite the band why don't you guys come on up as they're doing that I'd love to just spend a little time praying and then we're going to sing one song and we're done okay so let me pray